David Locke joins us right now on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no mystery. Utah is in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. David, kind enough to join us. How are you, sir? Hey, David. I'm good, guys. Uh, all right. So you had a podcast on the and, – and I apologize – I've not had a chance to listen to it, but it's uh, something I'll probably listen to on my way home because of the essentially the Mike Conley dilemma with the team. Uh, how do you think the Jazz can go about trying to find a way to bring him back? I mean, there's they can bring him back by paying. Well, yeah. You know, well, so the the first the first thing is you have to find out if Mike Conley wants to come back. True. Like, I always think we forget that in free agency. So the first issue. In hand, and, and I don't have any reason to believe he doesn't want to come back, but I, I do think that that's the first thing that you have to address is, you know, Mike, does Mike want to spend another year in Utah? Does Mike, you know, want to spend another year um, on the Jazz? Like, those are the first two questions. And, you know, he was noncommittal, and frankly, the Jazz are relatively noncommittal other than Quinn in, in their pressers. So, um, I mean, I'm sure the Jazz would love to have him back, probably not at $30 million. Um and so, you know, if you can jump through the first hurdle, it, it's it's really multi-layered. I mean, so your question is how do the Jazz get him back? I mean, the Jazz get him back by making a better offer than anyone else and paying a mammoth luxury tax. Well, I guess that's the follow-up, though. Are the Jazz ready to pay massive luxury tax? Yeah, I mean, or I think the Jazz are ready. I think Ryan's proven that. I think the other question is, like, is it smart, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, it's 40 – is. Forty million dollars, and and I mean, there's so it's really layered. Like, and I don't actually have any answers to the questions. But you know, the other, the first question, probably the Jazz have to answer is not whether they're willing to pay luxury tax. And I think Ryan's shown this year he's willing to pay it. Is whether or not if your team, you, know, you really have a two-year window here, right? Yeah. Like Donovan in two years suddenly he's got pretty good leverage. So, um, you know, is Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert enough? Something you got to ask yourself if you're running. And do you have mechanisms by which to improve your roster that you can do if you re-sign Mike Conley? Do you have mechanisms to rebuild to improve your roster if you don't re-sign Mike Conley? That's not easy either. Um, you know, because you don't you don't just get the salary slot. Um, and then, you know, the other angles. You know, what are your other assets that you could move and trade and how would they fit and what can you get for them and how do they fit with Mike Conley so you don't want to like sign Mike Conley then find out you could trade something a piece that you're willing to trade for a piece that complements Donovan better than Mike Conley if you could look and into your, you have, if, if you could look into your crystal ball what what do you believe Mike Conley's contract will look like wherever he lands you know I have no idea because um, I think at his stage of his career there's one of two scenarios like one is he could try to get the money in a sign and trade somewhere and then you know if he's going to play 55 games i think it's probably what you have to kind of project him to play maybe 60 um you know he his hamstring injuries is coincidental or not that one happened in the 21st game and the other happened in the 23rd game of the season when he played consecutively and then never again does he ever play more than about five or six games in a row so when that happens um you know, I, I don't know. I mean, that's just data. Like, you can decide what you think of it. Um, so, you know, Bobby Marks had that he's about an $18 million player, and that, you know, the average 15th 
best point guard in the NBA gets about $20 million. He was an all-star this year, so he's going to think he's worth more than that. Um, but then again, he's not playing 82 games, so you know, you have to figure I, – I don't have any idea. The other thing is, does he just decide that there's a place he wants to live and play and have that life experience and go for a championship for the mid-level or the luxury mid-level? And he's made so much money that it doesn't matter to him if he's getting two-year 36 or two-year 14. Or to you know, yeah, maybe it, I mean that would matter to most people. But if you've already made a few hundred, maybe you don't care about that last twenty-four at the end. And so, does he take the mid-level at the Lakers and doesn't want to come back anyway? He wants to go play with LeBron and an AD and be the perfect you know he'd be pretty perfect for them, like a, calm, a calming influence different than Dennis Schroeder. Um, does he decide he wants to go play for the Clippers? It'd be pretty great for them. Um, you know, I think they like Reggie Jackson, but Mike compliment them does he decide he wants to go play with Luca? like you, you know um i don't know like is there an eastern conference team that he thinks he'd be a nice compliment to who who knows but um you know in that case then he's just taking a mid-level exception if he's staying with the jazz he's going to want more than that david Locke joining us here on 97.5 1280 the zone uh when i was doing some jazz pre-f and post with tom nasalki he always mentioned at the end of the season when he was a coach he never really did a big locker room clean out. He said, look, players were tired of me. I was tired of them. We can do this another time. Just just, just go. Be gone. And and I don't know if that was the reasoning behind why the Jazz just said, hey, look, you know, we can talk another time. Just go your separate ways. But I can't imagine the how difficult that season was, how it ended, all of that. Uh, the mental anguish of losing that series the way they did after a long, hard-fought season – uh, how long does it take for a team to get over something like that? Um, or do they? That's probably a better question, yeah. You know, two years in a row you've had a lead and didn't close out a series, different reasons each time. Um, I, I'm sure I'm sure there'll be some self-doubt and group doubt that this group did not have in the past. David, do you think that the front office sits sits around and looks at themselves and says, okay, just talking about Mike Conley, the possible resigning, what they can do there, do you think they sit around and say, all right, let's let's work this out as accurately as we can? If Mike Conley stays healthy, are we in the Western Conference Finals right now? And are we a contender with with the Suns? Do you think that, they, that they're having that conversation of, well, a little bad luck and a little injury, this is what happened to us, but this is what we could have been if we didn't have bad luck? I mean, don't you feel like we're better than, than yes. Mike Conley at full health or we're better than any of the four teams? I mean, yes. realize that Atlanta, the Clippers without Kawhi, Phoenix, or Milwaukee's about to win a title. Yeah. Yep. I think that's part here's of the, that's the part that's the, the kick question. in the that's the kick in the groin in all of this. Right. Is twice. The, is Actually, the, maybe the, even a third time. Yeah, is that the window right. was open. Yeah, that actually wasn't a window. It was like it was like a Big, huge, you know, automotive door. <laughs> but that door shuts um, fast, right? And then someone didn't put the someone didn't put the little thing to hold it up, and it came clamoring down. Um, here's the question I actually have on this. So the league was heading toward much more parity and a little less super teamy in the new collective bargaining agreement, and then. There was the TV spike, and Kevin Durant 
went to Golden State and they built their mega team. They didn't win every year, but they won a lot. So what's happened since then? Right? Like Cleveland's got one, Golden State's got one, Toronto's got one, Lakers got one, someone else is going to get one, right? Yeah. Have we ever had a stretch in the history of the NBA where five different teams won five titles in five years? Not that I could think of. I don't think so. In fact, you're hard-pressed to remember a lot of one-offs. So this leads me to believe that there's maybe a quantum change either based on play, collective bargaining agreement, magnitude of talent. I don't know exactly why. But I think there's something much bigger going on here in the league that is a level of parity where, to Hans's point, you kind of really actually have a shot. Right? Like, you didn't have a shot when LeBron was sitting in Cleveland at 28 years old. Mm-hmm. And you didn't have a shot when the Warriors had Durant, Steph, and Clay. But, but I kind of think, like, there's 12 teams that are going to go in the year next year thinking you have a shot. Uh, and I'm with you, but, but maybe injuries are so much a part of the league right now that, that, that that's something you count on every year. Because let's be honest, if, if KD and, and Clay are healthy, they beat Toronto. And if they're all healthy, they probably come out of the West and win in the bubble the next year. Right. And if Phil, and if Brooklyn's healthy, they probably win. Or if Joel Embiid's knee's healthy, maybe they win. So I guess maybe that's or the if, world we're living in. The injuries are going to impact right. this thing every year. That it's so even that that's how it's going to happen. Yeah. I think there's like six teams that can make a claim they should have won it this year. Yeah. Lakers think if they're healthy, they would have won it. Jazz think they should have won it. Philadelphia thinks they should have won it. Brooklyn thinks they should have won it. Denver th- Denver was going to win it if Jamal Murray didn't get hurt. And you got four teams playing. Hmm. So maybe we have a whole new ball game where there's nine or ten teams that are actually just in contention to win the championship every year. And you build the best team you can and, and see what happens. Like, it's interesting to me. On what the Clippers did to the Jazz, I feel like half of what the Clippers did to the Jazz, we should be concerned with, and the other half is they were unique. And you better be really careful and not build your whole entire roster just to try to deal with something that you happen to run into the one team that could do to you. Yeah. Hey, David, how much more physically demanding is it putting effort out on the defensive side of the ball in basketball than it is offensive side of the ball? How much more physically exhausting is it or, or, or demanding is it? That's an interesting question. Um, well, I think, I mean, hands, I don't know. I'm not an athlete like you are, but like one's actually moving backwards. One's moving forwards most of the time, right? Yeah. Isn't one much more demanding than the other? Like our bodies are made to move forward. Bodies... Maybe you didn't mean it from a kinesiology standpoint, but that's, that's how I took it. Like, well, yeah, and and I've I've always felt that the the reactive nature of any type of sport is always going to be more physically demanding. I, mean, I think the injuries are because we make these guys play defense. They might not happen on the defensive end. Yeah, but the whole wear and tear and load management. Go watch an eighties, seventies NBA game. That's why they didn't have load management and wear and tear. You yeah. guard your guy, and your guy stood still most of the time. Now everyone's shifting and rotating and closing out, like closeouts. Is there anything harder on your legs than a closeout? Can't be. The way you you dive and then jam into the legs and then try to extend, it's, I mean, it's a pretty exhaustive movement. Yeah, so, I mean, I think that, 
I think the reason we have all these injuries is one is increased strength on and torque on bodies that, you know, by definition haven't really changed other than their muscular composition over the last 50 years. And then if you watch an old game, like, like in the, when they threw the ball in the post to Elijah one, like one guy guarded him, another guy came and doubled, three guys stood still. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I actually asked that question with a purpose. You know, I, Thinking about like let's say you know you got a crew of of ditch diggers and you got one guy that's really good with the shovel and he's just shoveling 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 digging and digging and digging and then you got the other guys that'll dig a little bit, but they go get the gear and they you know they're setting up the wire or whatever, but you got that guy that's just continually shoving and he's shoveling and he's looking around like, is anybody else going to do this? Is anybody else going to put their heart and effort and life and energy into this because? I'm David. I'm worried about Rudy Gobert's mental state of mind. I'm worried about his ability to look at his teammates and feel okay with what they're doing as compared to what he's doing. And and I feel like in the long run, you think you think Rudy Gobert should be a little upset that he became yes yes the punchline yes. to the joke of all NBA fans for 48 hours when the story was that his teammates couldn't guard the ball. Yes. He should be lit. The, the, because the guys on the perimeter couldn't stay in front of somebody. Rudy Gobert got put in a uh, in a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation, and he took the brunt, and Rudy is very cognizant of what people are saying about him. Yes, 100%. So think about the guy coming, and somebody's like, ha, look at this idiot. He's down here shoveling. And, you know, they're making fun of this guy that's actually put in the work. Like, it doesn't it, – to me, it equates to like a a, a moment where I'm going to have a blow-up in the locker room with the guys around me and be like, this is because of you idiots. It'd be really difficult for me to handle. So I talked to Rudy very little this year because we had very little interaction. One of the interactions I had – our interaction was based on how in the playoffs will prove everyone wrong. These playoffs were particularly important to Rudy. Well, I uh, I think that uh, I think that if you read between the lines on some of the things he said, I think that there was, I think it's pretty easy to see where he's at right now, and uh, probably good to let him escape to wherever he needs to go for a while to decompress for a bit because yeah. he's earned it for sure. Yeah. David? How much do you how do you, when you evaluate our players? I think this is like the really tricky one. How much do you evaluate them in a small capsule? of 11 playoff games against two unique opponents, and how much do you evaluate them based on what they did over a seven-year two-game schedule? Quite a bit more in the just in the two series. because well, that, that, I, That'll I, be tough on a few people. Because I, I constantly believe that the NBA regular season is teams managing, uh, teams in, in different types of management situations. Like, I think about that second game in back-to-back games with the Clippers in the regular season. That first game, no Kawhi, no Paul George, just a, a, a non-interested, you know, push. And then that second game, Paul George and Kawhi come back, and it's like, hey, let's teach these guys what we're all about. Like that That's kind of a microcosm of what the regular season feels like to me. So when I look at Memphis and the Clippers in a push like they were in the postseason, I do put more weight into that. Whose opinion, uh, what your opinion changes on which players based on that? Who are you higher on or lower on based on that 
coming through those two series? Yeah. Ooh. See, that's a tough one because because Mike Conley against Memphis, uh, you have to be higher on. And then, obviously, Mike Conley injury, it's like, well, he's getting older, so maybe I'm a little bit down on his ability to stay healthy in those cr- crunch moments. Donovan, you'd be higher on. 32-point 32 yep. 32 point, uh, average through the, this last postseason. Well, I mean, but you also, I mean, offensively, he gave you some great moments, and there was that – key stretch where he was on fire in the second quarter, but Jordan Clarkson's defense was no bueno. Uh, I'd be down on Joe Ingles maybe a little bit. Yeah, same. Um, high on Royce O'Neal. Down on, down on Yang. High on Royce. Yep. Yes, absolutely. Royce O'Neal double-double in game six. It, it, he fought his butt off. And he got put in some bad situations and responded well. So, yeah. High on Rudy for me. I don't know. Uh, other people might have their opinions out there, but I just feel like there's a bulk of work that needs to be done defensively. And if I'm the only one that's doing it at that level, every play, eventually I'm going to look around and say, hey, every one of you suckers better grab yeah. a shovel and get down in this trench and start digging with me. Well, and there was a point where it felt like Rudy just kind of threw the shovel down and said, all right, you guys figure this out. Yeah. Yeah. There also could be a moment where someone turns around and looks at him and goes, hey, by the way, you're getting paid $40 million for your freaking shovel, so keep shoveling and we'll keep scoring. <laughs> yeah. uh, All right, David, I know, I know David. we got to let you go, man. I we know, we kept you too long, but there you go. All right. David, thank you. Thanks. David Locke right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.